Welcome to JFK and the Enduring Secret. I'm your host, Jeff Crudell. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the podcast. Today's episode is episode 27. It's a bit of a mini-wander, but I think it's an important one, so we'll get right to it. We have been listening to a series of unique witnesses in Dealey Plaza, and they are going to get progressively more interesting. But first, I have to take a mini-wander, and that is what today's episode is all about. I am using this episode to clarify one thing from our previous episode, episode 26. I may have left the wrong impression regarding the strength of the evidence associated with the Diller photographs, and I want to clarify that. Again, this episode is a special episode to do just that and only that. I am simultaneously publishing episode 28 uh, as well so that you can dive right back into the next batch of important witnesses after you listen to this. As you know, based on our discussions in a previous episode, the House Select Committee on Assassinations had great hopes for applying enhanced photographic analysis techniques to the myriad of pictures and movie films that were taken as part of the assassination evidence. They applied these particular techniques to try and make a conclusion based solely on the photos themselves as to whether there was a gunman in the window and or whether others were present and whether such folks could be identified. Among the many photos and films that they studied, for this particular episode, we will focus on their particular review of the Dillard photographs. Their official conclusions were somewhat inconclusive on this topic, but generally not supportive of human movement. That is the principal reason for doing this episode. I'll get into the details in a minute. The House Select Committee had a lot of shortcomings, but clearly, one of the core competencies that they brought in their era of assassination review was a much more intense analysis of the photographic information, and we have to give greater weight to it, I believe. So, because of that, I'm going to wander a little bit today and dedicate this short episode to that topic, using it to quickly summarize what the House Select Committee did and what they found and what they concluded related to the Dillard photographs. Then, in the next episode, we'll get back to the other witnesses that we want to cover that were in Dealey Plaza that day. Now, this is going to get a little technical for a bit, so I apologize in advance for that. What the House Select Committee did conclude on was that there was visible evidence of changes in the open sixth-floor window of the Texas School Book Depository. First, photographic evidence in totality indicated an apparent rearranging of the boxes within two minutes after the last shot was fired at President Kennedy. It was an appearance or an impression of motion in the open sixth-floor window a few seconds prior to the assassination. 
Now, while the pattern of motion is not necessarily inconsistent with movements by a human being, it was nevertheless considered probably to be photographic artifacts. This conclusion is probably one of the most important takeaways from today's episode. You see, photographic artifacts are a fancy term for the light and dark spots of an image that may occur naturally as a result of taking the picture, but these images per se aren't actually part of the object or the actual scene or picture that is being photographed. In other words, they were created by the process of taking the picture rather than being a part of the scene being photographed. The photographic panel also concluded that there is no visible evidence of anyone at the closed windows adjacent to the open sixth floor window of the Texas School Book Depository. They felt that motion in these windows was also attributed to photographic artifact. As a side note, and related to the overall photographic review that the House Select Committee performed during the entire course of their analysis, they also concluded that there was no quote-unquote definitive visible evidence of any gunmen in the streets, the sidewalks, or areas adjacent to Dealey Plaza, nor was there any evidence discerned of a flash of light or puff of smoke. These are all things that they concluded were absent from all of the pictures that they reviewed, all of the photographic evidence that was available to them as part of their analysis. It does not mean these things do not exist. It just means they were not detectable in the photographic evidence that was reviewed. I want to point out the nuances here in what they used in terms of terminology. The term definitive visible evidence when describing this last item is interesting. The layman's interpretation of that is that the panel, which is what they used as an analysis construct within the House Select Committee, was not unanimous on this, and it was quite split in terms of the membership. And so, therefore, they could not conclude in a definitive way. The bottom line is that we all see different things in pictures. On that note, I'm going to digress for one second and tell a humorous personal story. My wife's name is Kelly. On the night of our wedding, there was a rather oblique photograph that was distributed to many of our guests. My wife's grandfather is quite religious and was very active over the years in the Catholic Church. At one point, he had been to Jerusalem on a pilgrimage of sorts, taking photographs as most do on a trip like that. When he arrived home and got the film developed and the photos printed, well, right there in the background of a picture of a holy site, there existed now a hazy portrait of the Virgin Mary, a ghost-like figure in the background of this picture one that apparently just appeared and certainly was not in the viewfinder when he took the shot. Well, Grandfather took it as a sign and began to regularly distribute copies of this photo in any efficient and open venue that he could. That night at our wedding, he was shaking everyone's hand in the traditional moments of wedding celebration, and he found an opportunity to give that photo to a lot of people, 
because it was a very big wedding. He kept shaking and kept passing via palm a copy of that photograph, hoping to make believers, if you were not already one, out of everyone that received it. To some, this image might just look like what happens when you have a smudge on your lens, and that intersects with some intersecting light to create some oblique image in the recesses of a picture. But to him, to Grandfather Jones, that was not what he saw at all. I have to admit, as I recall at the time, if you stared at it long enough, you could see what he was talking about, or something like it anyway. I still was chagrined about him passing it out in the first place, but it did make for a good story. My point in telling the story is that as scientific as they got in the committee, and they got pretty scientific, regardless, much of this was still subject to the bias of the human. I stopped there and noticed that I didn't say that it was the bias of the human mind or human eye, because one of my favorite sayings is that the eye is blind to what the mind cannot see. So that's why I'll just say the bias of a human. Well, that was another mini, mini wander, but a worthwhile one, I think. So let's quickly summarize what they did in the analysis so that at least we understand a little bit of the science behind things. I mentioned that the House Select Committee looked at the two Dillard photographs, and they also looked at the Hughes motion picture film. In addition, they looked at the Powell photograph, which was taken close to where Dillard took his two photos. The Dillard and Powell photographs and Hughes' film were taken from a region of the intersection of Houston and Elm Streets in Dealey Plaza. As you heard in our last episode, Dillard was a professional photographer riding in a press car in the presidential motorcade. At the time he took his pictures of the depository, the press car was approaching Elm and Houston. Powell was standing considerably to the right of Dillard, near the southeast corner at Elm and Houston, and his picture, therefore, shows the window from a much more oblique angle to the left and upward. Hughes, who made the motion picture that the committee panel also analyzed, was standing near the southwest corner of Houston and Main Streets. Thus, his motion picture film was taken from a much greater distance than the Dillard and Powell photographs. We are going to defer discussion of the Hughes film for another episode. The time at which the photographs of Dillard and Powell were taken is only approximate. Dillard stated that his second picture was taken a few seconds after the last shot that he heard. Powell has estimated that he took his picture about 30 seconds after the last shot. Interestingly enough, a shadow analysis performed by the panel, confirmed that these photographs were taken at the same approximate time, with Dillard's taken first and Powell's taken second. It was important to know the sequence in order to better understand movement that might appear between the shots. The Hughes film ended 2 to 10 seconds before any shots were fired, as indicated by the position of the presidential limousine in the film. Examination of both the Dillard and Powell photographs of the sixth floor windows shows an open window with deep shadows in the region behind it. 
The panel concluded that the deep shadows indicate that film was underexposed in these regions. That is, too little light reached the film for a clear recording of any details in the room behind the window. As a result, a number of enhancement processes were applied to the photographs in order to bring out any details obscured within the underexposed regions. The enhancement techniques deployed by the panel and its outside contractors were as follows. Regarding the Dillard photographs, photographic enhancement using photo-optical and photochemical techniques of the underexposed regions was applied. Those techniques were undertaken at the Rochester Institute of Technology. In addition, autoradiographic enhancement of the underexposed regions of the Dillard photograph was completed separately at the Stanford Research Institute. The Powell photograph underwent computer enhancement of the underexposed regions at the University of Southern California and at the Aerospace Corporation. In addition, the Dillard photographs were scanned and digitized for possible computer enhancement. Nevertheless, no such enhancement was performed because the panel decided that the autoradiographic technique had more potential for success. The photographic and computer process made visible details that had been obscured in the underexposed regions of the photographs. Both the photographic enhancement by RIT and the auto-radiographic enhancement by SRI revealed a feature in the fifth-floor window immediately beneath the sixth-floor window. You can actually find the original and the enhanced versions in the committee documents. They're uh, Roman, uh, figure Roman numeral 4-1 and uh, Roman numeral 4-2, the The number two is the actual auto-radiographic enhancement version. The the detail revealed by the processing appears to be a circular light fixture hanging from the ceiling of the fifth floor room with a light bulb in the center of the fixture. The panel concluded that the light fixture revealed in the fifth floor window served as a benchmark against which the sixth floor enhancement could be judged. Accordingly, the enhancement of a recognizable object in the fifth floor window gave the panel confidence that, in its judgment, there were no recognizable human forms in the enhancement of the sixth floor windows. Although human faces or forms were not visible in the enhanced photographs, the inspection of those exhibits reveals a difference in the boxes visible through the sixth floor window. In the Dillard photograph, only two boxes are immediately visible, one each at the left and right of the window frame. Nevertheless, the Powell photograph shows several additional boxes. There are two possible explanations for this difference. The Powell photograph may reflect only an apparent change in the boxes, that is, not a real one. The different angle from which Powell viewed the depository may have caused a different set of boxes within the room to be frames within the window. And of course, 
The second possible and obvious explanation is that the boxes were moved during the time that elapsed between the time the Dillard and the Powell photographs were taken. Since the precise positions of Dillard and Powell at the time of the photographs were unknown, it was not possible to calculate precisely the region within the sixth floor room that would have been visible to each photographer. In the Dillard photograph, the two boxes at the left and right of the window frame appear to be in the full light of the sun, with no shadows cast on them by the frame of the partially opened window. In the Powell photograph, it also appears that the boxes are in full sunlight, with no shadow cast on them by the window frame. The panel observed all enhanced images under optimum viewing conditions. That is, that the reproduction of the enhanced images for the report that the House Select Committee published and which is available to all of us resulted in a degradation in quality. The panel's decisions were reached on the basis of the image quality of the original enhanced photographs and not on the quality of the images as they were reproduced in the House Select Committee report that, again, we all get to take a look at. That is an important point for readers of the House Select Committee report to know. Okay, so we got that technical and somewhat boring thing out of the way. But here is where the panel finally ended up on the issue of what caused the differences in the pictures related to the boxes. This is what they said. A simple trigonometric calculation shows that the two boxes at the left and right lie approximately six inches from the plane of the window. If full sunlight is falling on the additional boxes in question in the Powell photograph, they must also lie close to the plane of the window. So, drum roll please, what does all that mean? Well, here it is. For this reason, the panel concluded that the additional boxes visible in the Powell photograph were moved during the interval between the Dillard and Powell photographs. In other words, someone actually moved those boxes in that small intervening time frame between when Tom Dillard took his picture and Powell took his picture. An additional issue related to the sixth floor windows was the possible presence of a human face or form in the adjacent windows. None was found by the panel. I have to admit, this is contrary to other conclusions outside of the House Select Committee, but if you take a look at the pictures themselves, you would probably have to agree with the expert conclusions of the folks on the House Select Committee photographic panel. Oh well, Tom Dillard, it turned out not to be the photo everyone was looking for. No smoking gun here, so to speak. Okay, Enough of the technical analysis for now. I think that clarifies the discussion around the Dillard photos. The bottom line is that while some folks believe there is more there, the most capable and exhaustive review of these photos actually took place by the House Select Committee photographic panel, and they ultimately concluded that the boxes were moved, but that there are no other human forms visible in those photos to suggest a second gunman was present at least based on the moment at which those photos were taken. Ugh, 
back to square one. This is hard work. You really have to pay attention to the details. I think I'll go get a sandwich and finish publishing the next episode that covers the next set of progressively interesting witnesses from Dealey Plaza. The handful of individuals who saw the gunman along with someone else up there on the sixth floor. Remember, two or more involved constitutes a conspiracy. So see you at the next episode and make sure you have a sandwich before you get too hungry because you will want to settle in and listen up to the next few episodes as we begin to turn to the more mysterious aspects of this event and the investigation. Thank you for listening to episode 27 of JFK, The Enduring Secret. 